0: Hello, Welcome to EV Chat, the exciting new podcast and place to be. We get to e-meet and greet industry players and decision makers. We'll be asking and discussing some tough questions from drivers on the street to top CEOs from major EV organizations, entrepreneurs, legislators from all over the globe. Stick around. This is a different kind of show. Let's rock it. Welcome to EV Chat. I'm your host, Ru Phillips. In fact, today you could say I'm your host and your guest. You know, for the last year, we've been talking to some of the brightest minds in EV infrastructure. We've heard from EV pioneers, EV charging leaders, policy experts. Now we're going to go back to school. Our curriculum the foundation of EVs and how it fits into the world around us. This is for EV experts, enthusiasts, newbies alike. We've all got new things to learn each and every day. Today's ABCs of EVs is brought to you by Fluke, the world leader in the manufacture, distribution and service of electric test and measurement tools. Fluke, keeping your world up and running. Now let's get rocking. You know, there's been boatloads of news about EVs recently, and every article is full of acronyms that may or may not make sense to everyone. We should be breaking down barriers to EV adoption. So in this episode and the next, we'll break down all those pesky acronyms and jargon so that everyone can speak confidently. To help us dig into these terms, we'd like to welcome Dr. Abbas, who will be our resident scientist as we wade through the EV dictionary. Dr. Abbas, or Doc as I'm going to call him, is the chief scientist at Ideonomics and the CEO of US Hybrid. He's an award-winning scientist who's got a big resume and the know-how to back it up. He literally wrote the book on the topic. We'll be popping in to chat with him from time to time, so be sure to subscribe to EVChat so you never miss a bit of his wisdom. So let's talk the talk. This episode is all about the ABCs of EVs. we are leaning straight into the alphabet soup. And in our next episode, we'll do the same with all that jargon and lingo. By the time you've listened to both, you'll be able to talk the EV talk. We'll be going in depth on many of these items in future shows. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you never miss an episode. Okay, let's dig in. First off, we're going to be talking about ACDC. Yeah, what a great band. You know, I happened to share the same manager with Brian Johnson years and years ago. That's another story for another episode. AC, alternating current. Thomas Edison won the war with Westinghouse, and for that reason, our light bulb goes on and off 50 times a second. You can't see it, but it is. That current is alternating 50 times a second. And depending where you are in the world, 60 times a second. AC, alternating current. DC, on the other hand, is direct current. It's straight. If you've got a battery in your computer, your cell phone, it is DC. A solar system is DC. Your electric car is DC. Direct current, DC. EV. Electric vehicle. If you don't know what that means, you've probably been listening to the wrong show for the past few weeks. B-E-V, H-E-V, P-H-E-V, S-C-E-V, E-R-E-V. Bunch of EV acronyms. You know what? We're going to ask Dr. Abbas to come and help us with this. What do you say, Doc? If
1: you have a battery electric car, it means that the only source of energy is battery. That's called battery electric car, or sometimes they use BEV. Or sometimes they just call it zero emission. Hybrid electric vehicle means I have two energy sources. Typically, one is electric battery, a small battery, and one could be an engine, could be a small hydrogen engine, could be a diesel engine, could be a natural gas engine. So that's called hybrid. Then it gets more sophisticated. Plug in hybrid. Plug-in hybrid means I have an electric vehicle that has so much range. And then if I run out of juice, then engine cranks in and I run with the engine. Example of that is that I3. I3, you can buy it electric only, or you can buy it hybrid, which has a small engine. So you get 60 miles, at least for the old one that I have, you have 60 miles from gas and 60 miles from electricity. That's called plug-in. Then it gets more interesting. They call them range extender. Range extender is for those people who have a certain range in a day. And if you want to extend it a little more, you can add to it. Why are we doing these? Is because if you think of a fleet operators, they have so many vehicles, 80%, 85% of them can actually run on electric, battery electric, single charge. No problem. But the last 5%, 10% may go longer route, longer hours. Then you have a choice to augment your fleet with plug-in or this or that. Or if you happen to have a vehicle that requires longer range, then you go with a plug-in because the cost is lower. As the battery cost gets less, then the range electric becomes more and more. But watch out for that. There is something called ratio of the battery weight to the whole car. Before you know it, the whole vehicle can become a battery. And all you do is carry battery. That's why you see when a manufacturer like Tesla or others say, I have increased the range, what they have managed is to reduce the weight from the body by going to carbon fiber or something and then add a little more battery or use a higher technology, enhanced technology. I hope that explains a little bit. It is confusing, but it is meant to facilitate diverse user. For example, have you seen a Tesla taxi? Not as common here, but there are a lot of hybrid Prius taxi because they do two shifts, they do three shifts, okay? because the cost and economics associated with that so sometimes the solution is technical or the selection is dictated by technical issues but most of the time is based on economics but in general i do believe the passenger vehicle demand can be met with a battery okay now when it comes to commercial, that's a different story. We can talk about that later on if you wish. Commercial vehicle is basically has a higher load, higher demand, and doesn't have time to plug in for eight hours.
0: Now, here's a common one for you. EVSE, Electric Vehicle Service Equipment or Electric Vehicle Supply Equipment. Basically, what it is, it's a charging station, a piece of equipment that you can plug into your car and charge your vehicle. It could be as simple as a plug that plugs into your wall, or it could be a piece of equipment that stands alone, such as a level 2 charger. Could be a DC fast charger, a supercharger, a level 3 charger. Basically, the equipment that charges your vehicle. EVSE. ICE. ICE. No reference to the wrapper. Internal combustion engine. The bad guys. You know, the smell is diesels, gasoline, ice engines. We'll be profiling ice next year and we'll be talking about where would we be now had internal combustion engines not have taken off as they did and electric vehicles had been the in thing. RPH, range per hour. You know, when I had my electric car back in the day, I used to race Porsches. And back in those days, the the batteries were lead-acid batteries. It had a range of between 80 and, if you were good, 100 miles range between charges. Well, depending on how you drove it. I think when I was racing those Corvettes and those Porsches, my range was between 50 and 60 miles. So what you'll see on the modern electric vehicle is not only miles per hour, but based on the way you're driving the car, is how far you can go on the charge that you've got in your batteries. Range per hour. Kilowatts and kilowatt hours. I'm going to ask the doc to help me with this, but let me give it a start because it was a British guy, Sir James Watt, that started it all with his unit of power. Now, I'm going to start with a little simplistic explanation. You used to be able to buy a 100-watt light bulb. Remember what those were? Incandescent light bulbs. Well, if you had a 100-watt light bulb and you had 10 of them and they were switched on for one hour, you would have one kilowatt hours. That's 10 times 100 for one hour, one kilowatt hour. You may have a one kilowatt microwave. Turn it on for one hour, you've used one kilowatt hours. A typical level two charger could be 6.6 kilowatts. Have that on for one hour, you've used 6.6 kilowatt hours. Doc, am I being too simplistic here?
1: Kilowatt is the power. It's like when you have a vehicle, that's a horsepower. Kilowatt. One horsepower is like 0.74 of a kilowatt, but kilowatt is the size of your motor, okay? Kilowatt hour is energy. Now, if you think of a bottle of wine, the volume of that bottle is kilowatt hour. The size of the neck is kilowatt. So sometimes you have a big jaw, but you cannot get it fast enough. So therefore, when you select a battery, Sometimes, unfortunately, you hear about some batteries having fire, some of them could be connector, could be high power, because batteries, like your cell phone, like a pacemaker, a pacemaker has been designed to run six years, 10 years. Cell phone has been designed to run eight hours, 10 hours, 24 hours, but the electric car may be designed to run three hours, two hours. So it discharges the battery faster. So it has more power. But. It's very clear. The kilowatt hour is energy. How many gallons equivalent of the electrons you have stored in that battery? Whereas kilowatt is basically what's the size of your propulsion, traction motor. And can the battery deliver that power? Because if you draw too much power from the battery, you could adverse or shorten the life of the battery. So these are the basic distinction of kilowatt versus kilowatt hour. Energy versus power.
0: What's important to understand here is the difference between a kilowatt and a kilowatt hour. A kilowatt being the unit of power and a kilowatt hour is being the time that that unit of power is being used. And now a word from our sponsor. I travel a lot and one of the things I love to see is the amount of new EV charging stations going in across the country. But as the demand for these charges grows, service techs are becoming busier and the right tools have never been more important. I don't know a single contractor who wants to roll a truck twice because they didn't have the right tool or can't verify the job is done without an actual EV nearby to confirm it. Thankfully, our friends at Fluke have a solution for that. Fluke is the leader in reliable test and measurement tools and the FEV100 adapter kit for electric vehicle charging stations is no exception. You can use it for installation, safety tests, diagnostics, and at the end of the job to make sure the work is done right and safely. The FEV100 can also simulate an EV, so you can run full diagnostics without needing to have an electric vehicle on site. It works with your other Fluke tools too, including a digital multimeter, an oscilloscope meter, and to ensure the station is functioning at the right frequency and voltage. With the Fluke FEV100, you can streamline your service calls, save time and money, finish the job with confidence, and get home safe. If you'd like to learn more about the FEV100 and how Fluke can help keep you and your workforce safe and protected, visit Fluke.com. That's F L U K E.com. Now let's get back to Rocket. Next up, we have TOU, which is closely related to the KW and the KWH. By the way, that's the kilowatt-hour acronym, KWKWH. Sorry, I should have said that. TOU, time of use. If you are using a kilowatt device and you're using lots of kilowatt hours, KWH, the utility is not going to like you if you use that energy at peak demand time. Peak demand time is when everybody's using their kettles to make a cup of tea. Typically between five and seven in the evening or in the middle of the day when it's time for tea. Three o'clock in the afternoon is a good one for a nice cup of tea. What does that mean? Basically, well, everyone's using those massive utility generators at the same time and they have to be on standby just in case everyone comes home at the same time and switches on their TVs and their electrical apparatus all at the same time. They have to be ready for that. They're going to charge you what's called a peak demand during TOU, time of use. Doc, explain a little bit more about that technicality, if you will. In the past, if
1: you are living in a place like Los Angeles, for example, you look at the demand on utility because you have so much industrial and you have so much offices in the daytime, the demand is high on a grid. So grid says, please stay off. Don't charge in the daytime. Charge at nighttime because I have my generators running standing by. I don't have to increase capacity. So that is the time of use. Now, if you're in Hawaii, the story is backward because as you put more and more solar online, it's called duck curve. Basically, as we put more solar, You're having excess power from 10 a.m. to 2 to 4 p.m. Because I have so much generation, I don't know where to put it. So that's why the time of use is really depends on where you live and how is the profile of the load on the grid. Because grid says, hey, when I have no customer, you come to me, I'll give you a discount for charging. That's really where the time of use comes in. Now all the chargers, with no exception, are smart enough. They come in pre-programmed for the settings. So you don't have to worry about, oh, I got to get up and go plug in. No, you can actually program it so you can start charging at a certain time and then get off a charger at a certain time so you don't impact the grid. Because what happens with the grid is this. Grid has a certain generation and then it has a certain distribution. If all me and all of my neighbor plug in our vehicles at the same time, then we are overloading that section of a distribution, the power line that comes to our street. So then we may want to decide, okay, let's balance it so we can get more charging on time. But that is power management for distribution point of view. But the discount for charging time is a function of economics. So this way we can make electric vehicle more attractive in terms of cost so then you paid less so somehow we got to reduce the fuel cost maintenance cost to pay for the extra capital cost that's why all of this California Public Utility Commissions or other utility commissions that are managing this, they're saying, okay, if you work with us and we look at the bigger picture, all of us can benefit financially, technically, and deploy more vehicles. That's really what it boils down to. So it's a very, very good for everybody. Good, good, good plan for everybody.
0: R-E-X, Rex, as in T-Rex, another great band I love to boogie, ride a white swan. Enough of that. REX, range extender. Basically, if you've got an electric vehicle with a generator on the back, which is a pretty rarity, but if you were to stick a generator in your trunk of your electric car and that generator was to charge the batteries, you'd have a REX. Rare? Yes, they are out there. Thankfully, they're a little bit more sophisticated than having a generator in the trunk. By the way, there is no trunk. You'll find that on an elephant. It's a boot, people. Next up, Zeb. Zero Emissions Vehicle. You know, there was a great start to a great Black Sabbath song. It went, (coughs) Zeb. Zero Emissions Vehicle. That's what it's all about. Zero Emissions. You know, electric vehicles are zero emissions. CNGs are zero emissions. Fuel cell is zero emissions. Bicycles are zero emissions. They are actually a vehicle. Next up, V2G, vehicle to grid. This one's dear to my heart, V2G. Basically what that means is you're going to use your vehicle to power the grid. How can you do that, you say? Well, the battery on your car can actually work exactly the same as the battery energy storage system in your house. So what happens is the vehicle is being used to dispatch energy, not necessarily to the grid, but it could be to your house. Wouldn't it be nice if your grid went down and you had an electric vehicle in the garage and you were able to power your house and your lights and your fridge for a while? Well, that's what V2G technology is all about. Early stages right now, but we're going to be seeing a lot of adoption with that in the very near future. Now, for the charger plugs, cables, connectors, CCS, chatter mode, Tesla, we're going to be using a whole separate show for that so that we can kind of give it the importance that it needs. We haven't forgot you. We'll make sure we cover that in an upcoming episode. So there you have it, EV acronyms from A to Z or A to Z. This episode is brought to you by Fluke the world leader in the manufacture, distribution, and the service of electric test and measurement tools. Fluke, keeping your world up and running. I'd like to thank our resident scientist doc, Dr. Abbas, and thank you, our listener, for tuning in to today's show. If you'd enjoyed today's conversation, you can subscribe to the show and leave us a rating wherever you get the podcast. This helps us get EB chat into the ears of other EB lovers. If you think you'd like to be a guest on the show, contact me, Rue, at 365pronto.com. That's R-U-E at 365pronto.com. Visit the show notes for more information and links from today's chat. This is Rue Phillips signing off. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of EV Chat and the next ABCs of EVs. Ciao.